Well, right now is when typically I would pray for the preacher who's coming to preach. But this morning, I woke up to a text message saying, Raj, Pastor John is really ill. Would you like to preach this morning? And after the shock wore off, um, and after thinking about it and praying about it, I said, okay, let's do this. So I'm your preacher this morning. Um, it's interesting um, what happens when you say yes to God. It's funny. Um, two elders meetings ago, Pastor Kai said, one of these days, I'd like to get you to preach. Would you do that? And I, my answer to him was, yes, I always say yes. And there's a specific reason that I always say yes when somebody asks me to do something ministry-wise. Um, I don't, I'm not going to go into that this morning, but let me just say this. Don't allow, and this is not in my notes, this is just for free. You don't have to pay for this. Don't worry about it. Um, you will find God moving in your life like you've never experienced before when you step out of your comfort zone into something that you're completely unfamiliar with, unprepared to do, where you feel very ill-equipped to do. When you step into those kinds of things where you're not just being just facetious about it, but unless God shows up, I don't know how this is going to go. And like really, really, really mean that. When you step into those kinds of things, that's where you're going to really see God show up in your life and do stuff that you're just like, whoa. There is so much blessing in stepping out of your comfort zone. And you know what the reason is for that? Because if you think about your life, and if I think about my life, so much of our lives are governed by fear. Am I telling the truth? It's all right, by the way, if I ask you a question to respond back to me. I'm just putting that out there. I'm totally fine with that, totally comfortable with that. So if I say something that resonates with you, you can say amen, you can say true, you can say mm-hmm, whatever you want to say. <laughs> I'm totally okay with that, all right? Um, so allow God to use you. That's just a little aside or encouragement. If someone, especially if it's someone in leadership, if they come to you and they ask you to do something, please, I beg you, do not let fear be the governing factor to your yes or to your no. You can let it be something else, and I, whatever, but please don't let it be fear, even if it's outside your comfort zone, and you will find blessing like you will not believe in your life. Okay? Okay, that's for free. No charge. Okay, I want to talk to us about worship this morning. Um, I love talking about worship. I am always talking about worship. I enjoy talking about worship because at the end of the day, I'm talking about Jesus. And I love to talk about Jesus. I love to talk about who he is. I love to talk about his presence. I love to be in his presence. And, you know, week by week, we come into this place, and someone is leading us in worship. 
And I want to put out this little tidbit. You know what the job of this team is? Here's basically, in a nutshell, what their job is. I want you to picture a fire right here, okay? And I want you to picture it, it's, it's this high. There's some flames in there. I mean, it could be up here or wherever, but let's just say it's here. That's the church, okay? The job of the worship leader is to do this. That's the job of a worship leader. It's to stir up. It's to stoke. It's to help move you forward in your worship relationship. And I just want to tell you, that's my intent this morning, just so that you know why I'm here. My intent is to see you move forward in your worship relationship this morning. My intent is to see your heart absolutely explode with the goodness of God and with a desire and a hunger for his presence. An absolute desire, a passion. Because let me tell you one thing, our relationship with God is not merely and purely cerebral, which means it's not purely and merely here, head knowledge. If there's any knowledge that we gain through reading God's word, or listening to God's word, it's for that knowledge to go from here to here. Is that true? If you think about it, what does God want for you? He makes us, he puts us here. We have a life to live. We all have a path to walk. And as we walk that path, what is it that God wants? Ultimately, what, what is this life all about? Have you ever stopped and just... Hang on, life is so busy. Pastor Kai talked about being busy a couple weeks ago. What's it all about? What am I doing? Why are we here? Where are we going? Where am I going? Where is my life going? Where is the life of my family going? What's going on? What's it all about? Isn't it about this? Isn't what God wants me? What's the purpose of discipleship? What's the purpose of coming and listening to God's work week by week? Is it not because God is shaping us and honing us because what he wants is, is me. He wants us. He wants you, right? He wants that fellowship. He wants that communion. He wants that relationship. We can get so busy in the doing. We can get so busy in what we're about. We're doing this. We're going here. Even the things that we do for the Lord are in his name. Ultimately, those things are good. Faith without works is dead. We have work to do. We have to put our hand to the plow, get in there, get the elbows in there, and bump a few people along the way. But... We can't lose sight ever of what it is that God wants for us, which is this. In that day, they will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we do great and mighty works in your name? 
And God turns to them and he says, to me, this is one of the scariest verses in Scripture. Depart from me. I don't know you. What's that mean? I don't know you. Is it that he doesn't know who I am? He doesn't know my name? God knows all things. He knows who I am. Who would he be saying, you've done great and mighty things in my name? We've cast out demons. We've healed the sick. Who's, who's doing those things? Who's doing great and mighty works in God's name? Who? The world? I think not. Christians. Let me say that again. Christians are. So how is it that God, we can be doing all those things and God says, I don't know you? It's because the word know there is the biblical word for know. It's when Adam knew his wife and they bore a son. That's the word know. It speaks of intimacy. Right? It speaks of relationship. What do we see in the garden? If you want to know what God wants, let's just go back to the beginning. What do we see in the garden? When God makes man, he steps down and he says, Adam, come, let's walk. Come, son, come walk with me. Come talk with me. What do you want to talk about today? I can see what you've done with those animals over there. That was awesome, by the way. Let's talk. Let's fellowship. Let's commune. That's what God wants. So let's never, never, never lose sight of that, of his desire to have that fellowship with us. And that desire should be kindling. It should be kindling here, right? David said, what? As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. When you read the scripture, I want to encourage you, don't read the scripture in a cerebral way, meaning, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you, mm -hmm. and then move on to the next one, All right? Be reminded that the scripture is real people talking and writing about real circumstances that they've experienced, real events, right? Real feelings. Real emotions. So David is saying, Lord, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. My soul thirsts for you as in a dry and a weary land. My soul thirsts. My soul hungers for you. My passion is you, Lord. All of these things that I walk through, Whatever you take me through, whatever path I have to walk, Lord, do whatever you want to do with me, God. But this one thing, please, Father, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Do not take your presence from me. You can have the silver. You can have the gold. You can have all the riches. That's okay. But whatever you do, God, don't take your spirit from me. It's a cry from the heart of David. Don't take your spirit from me. And I hope that that's the cry of your heart as well this morning, that there's a hunger and a thirst for God. We're not coming here for a simply for information. 
I hope you didn't come here just for information. You can get information anywhere. You can just open up YouTube. You can go on the internet and get all kinds of information. It is called the information highway, by the way. You can get all kinds of information. God is looking for communion with us, right? Fellowship. God loves to hear you sing. Yes, I'm looking right at you. God loves to hear you sing. When God made man, the Bible says that he was made in our, in, in his, we were made in his image. That means that everything inside of us, who we are as people, is a reflection of God. We see the reflection of God in male, and we see the reflection of God in female, both distinct and different, and the different parts comprise some of the attributes and the character and the nature of God, right? I would have a guess that the ladies, if your husband, if the, if your husband said, honey, sit here, and you were sitting there, and he just walked up and he serenaded you with a song. He's looking, to, looking right into your eyes and he's singing some love song. Hmm. I bet they'll just be like, <laughs> you nailed it tonight, honey. Like, that was just like the bomb. <laughs> right? It's like, that's what's happening when we sing. That's what should be happening when we sing. Right? Those aren't just words up on a screen that we... Hallelujah, praise one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its victory. Next song. Come on, guys. No, 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 no. Let me give you some encouragement. Whenever you're singing, I don't care where you are, here, at home, in the car, on the job, just... If Jesus was standing here bodily, bodily, standing here, how would you sing? Would you sing in a passive way? Would, while you're singing, would you be thinking about what time it is or what you got to do after you leave here? What was going on with the kids on the way? Shut up! Uh, in the car? Is that what you would be thinking? I would hope that if Jesus was standing here bodily, that you would just be lost, lost in praise, absolutely lost in praise. Hands lifted, heart lifted, hunger being expressed. Bible talks about living waters flowing out of our belly. I would hope that there would be such a desire and a hungering. You know what I would hope? You know what I would hope? I would hope if Jesus was standing there bodily, and if you were sitting here in your chair, that you wouldn't just be standing here in your chair singing. I would hope, and what I think I would like to think that I would do, is run, run to his feet and sing here. That's what I would do. I don't know about anybody, but that's what I would do. Right? God wants this. God wants our heart. Let's not make what we're doing here some kind of information exchange. 
God doesn't, is not looking for information. He's looking for our heart. He's looking for this heart that can often be so stony and hard and rebellious. And it doesn't want to obey God's word. He wants to take that heart and rip it out. He doesn't want to change it. He wants to rip it out and put in a new heart. His heart. A heart of flesh in our bosom. And I hope that that's what you are wanting. That's what your desire is. Oh, as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you, God. It longs for you, God. What kind of relationship do you want with your Lord, with your master? The word Lord, the word Abba, Father, these are all words, they're terms of endearment. It's not speaking about head knowledge. It's speaking about heart knowledge. God wants our heart. God wants us to be sold out for him and for his purposes. They that worship God must worship in what? Spirit and in? In truth. In spirit, lowercase s, this is not rocket science. Spirit, in a spirited way. Because I would venture a guess that if your worship doesn't mean anything to you, it doesn't mean anything to God. If it doesn't move you, how is it going to move God? When the woman with the issue of blood saw the crowd and Jesus in the middle and everybody is around him and hundreds of people are trying to get to him, trying to touch him, he's completely surrounded on every side with people in the crowd. How is it that in that circumstance, he could turn and say, somebody touched me? I want you to think about that. How is it? Disciples were shocked. They said, Lord, they didn't say, are you crazy? But that's what they meant, are you crazy? The throngs are around you, everybody's in touching you. What do you mean, who touched me? And Jesus said, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. I just felt virtue flow out of me. There is a touch. There is a, a passion. There is a heart. There is a cry. There is a call from, the, from, from God's people that can cause and draw out virtue from the Lord. Isn't that an amazing thing? I hope that should be amazing to you. That there can be something that comes from me that draws out virtue from the Lord. It just draws it out. It's not like Jesus said, hmm, I wonder who I can bless or heal. He, he, somebody touched me. Don't you want that to be your touch? Wouldn't you love that for me to be your touch? All I can tell you is I... I want that to be my touch. I want there to be a praise and a worship that is in here to such a degree that it draws in the presence of the Lord. He dwells where? In the midst of the praises of his people. He dwells. He makes his habitation. He comes and as it were, Oh, there's some people worshiping. And he sits down. And he makes his abide there. That's what he does. 
Why? Because his, our worship, that's how he designed it. He designed it so that when his people come together and begin to sing and to praise him and to exalt him and to lift up his name, it's attractive. It's almost like if you could picture me burning incense. Up goes the incense. There's a sweet smelling savor. My, my wife likes, likes her herbal teas. She's got a whole drawer full of herbal teas. I don't particularly care for it, but, but when you open that drawer, you immediately you get the whiff of all those different herbal teas that she's got in there, right? So see your praise, like see your praise as incense rising to the throne of God. And what can God do with those praise? What can God do with your praise? Just about anything. Just about anything. So there's a few things that we can understand about praise and understand about worship. Psalm 47, 7 says this, For God is king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. So a simple verse, but it tells us quite clearly to sing with understanding. So there must be something that I can understand about praise. There's got to be something. Here's one thing. Psalm 8, 2. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. How many people have heard that scripture before? Just look in. Okay, handful. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established or ordained a stronghold against the enemy. So here's one. Here's one benefit of praise. It sets up a stronghold against the enemy in your life. There's things that we can pray through, but I would argue there's also things, also things that we can praise through. Did you hear me? There are things that we can praise through. It's one of these missing nuggets in God's word. Do you want a stronghold around you? Do you remember anybody in scripture who had a stronghold or a hedge around them? Three letters, it starts with J, ends with B. Job, not Job, Job. Job had a hedge around him. I wonder why Job had a hedge built around him. When Job lost everything, in the States, you always hear these reports of, the States is a crazy place, y'all. It's a crazy place. Mass suicides, sorry, mass shootings. Lately, the fires in California just swallowing up the place, swallowing up people's homes. Floods, tornadoes, unprecedented number of tornadoes where people lose everything. Some of us can lose a fingernail and we're bent out of shape. How about losing e literally everything you own? You turn on the TV and you see the fire smoldering 
that somebody's house is just a pile of ashes. Everything. Their car too. Well, you can't talk about the car because it's, the hurricane took it like a mile down that way, so wherever it is. Think about the de- utter devastation. Now, in the midst of that kind of devastation that Job, Job experienced, what did he do? What do we see, see Job doing? Right? That's what we see Job doing. For most of us, it takes a, a fraction of what Job, a fraction of what Job experienced, and all of a sudden our worship is gone. We're standing in God's presence, and when hands should be raised and hearts should be singing and turned towards him, we can't. Because we don't feel, look, let's just be real. We don't feel like it. And it's not that I don't understand or anybody wouldn't understand if, if you just lost everything that you wouldn't feel like worshiping God in that moment because in that moment, yo, God isn't good. In that moment, I, where are his blessings again? They're gone. There's no blessings here. There's just disaster here. But in that moment, if what that moment produces in you is worship, wow. I would argue that there's a heart that is completely sold out to God. And no wonder God put a hedge around Job. No wonder he put a hedge around Job. So the devil has access to God to accuse you in front of God. And your praise can silence his accusations. That's what the scripture is saying here. Your praise can silence the accusations of our enemy. Number two, our praise... is there for us as a sign. Praise can be a thermometer. Because if, if, if the praise, think about it, if, if your praise, if I could draw a graph, praise is good, everything is good, life is good, praise is up here, life is good, praise is, I'm, I'm down with God, everything is cool, I'm going through struggle, and all of a sudden, what's happening to my praise? My praise is going down. Everything is good? Yep. Praise back up. Some trouble? Oh, praise back down again. I would call that a clue. I would call that a clue and an indicator that maybe you need some heart work going on here and to evaluate and to decide once and for all whether God is good. Right? Is God good? Is God good? We used to go to a church that, you know, when somebody said, is God good? The right response to that is all the time. That's the response, okay? So, is God good? And all the time? Right. Except when I'm going through something. Then all of a sudden, miraculously, he ain't good anymore. Could I suggest that that's milk? Could I suggest that maybe that's milky faith? If God is good, then he's good. 
Full stop. Now I know that's easy to say. I know that's easy to say. But it's true. And how I respond to him in worship is one way. It's not the only way, but it's one way to see where my heart is at. Okay? Revelation 12.10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the, accusation, for the accuser of the brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before God. All right, so there it is again. The accuser of the brethren accuses you before God day and night. So shut him up with your praise. Okay? Shut him up with your praise. What is worship? Worship Worship, worship is a pouring out, is it not? Worship is an abandonment. Worship is selfless. There's no self involved in worship. Worship should be pure. Worship should be holy. The Bible says, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Right? So when we come before God and we worship him, if you don't remember anything that I say this morning, remember this one thing. Worship is biblical. Worship should never be personal. Worship should never be a reflection of who you are as a person. Never. Because what am I as a person before God? I'm a sinner. I'm corrupt. My deeds are wicked all the time. My heart is far from him. The heart of man is desperately wicked. And who can know it? Right? So worship should never be a reflection of who you are. If worship were a reflection of who you are, you could come into this place and worship God any old way you choose. Whatever you want to do, just do. Because I can do whatever I want to do. Because that's the way I want to do it. And it's okay if you do it that way. And it's fine if you do it that way. But I will choose to do it this way because this is the way that I want to do it. This is the way that makes me feel comfortable. And by the way, let me know, I want to let you know that this is the way we did it in our old church. That little rant was filled with I. When I talk to people about worship, let me back up. If I said to you, if you were talking to a friend at work and you said to them, how do you, what's your thoughts on like going to heaven? Like, do you think you're going to heaven? Yeah, I'm going to heaven. Well, on how do you know you're going to heaven? Well, because I'm a good person. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't hurt anybody. I try to be good to my fellow man. I 
I sometimes, you know, those, when those religious kind of things come on TV and those world vision things, I give to those things sometimes. So I'm a pretty good person. What would you respond to with that? Now, you might say a lot of things, but how many of you think you would probably, at some point in that conversation, direct them to the Word of God and say, this is what the Bible teaches about that? How many people would would probably end up doing that. Let me, let me see. I want to see your hands. I want to see your hands. You will probably direct them to God's word, would you not? Here's the problem. When I talk to people about worship, and I always talk to people about worship because I love talking about Jesus. When I do that, 10 times out of 10, they will share, and I'm not talking about unbelievers, I'm talking about Christians, 10 times out of 10, they will tell me what they think. 10 times out of 10, they will tell me what they think, how they feel, what makes them them feel comfortable, maybe how they worship in their old church, whether they feel like lifting their hands or whether they feel like singing, whether they feel like clapping or not, whatever it is, what they feel about maybe instruments and bands and cymbals and that rock music thing and all this kind of stuff, 10 times out of 10, I will hear what they think. How many times in Scripture, how many things can you tell me or point to where God says, when it comes to this, you can do whatever you want? Just Whatever you want, it's fine. Go ahead. Just do however you decide to do it. Go ahead. How many things can you think of? If I had a little tape measure, tape I'd put on the sound of crickets right now. And that's what I should hear. Because I can't think of anything that the scripture leaves up to my own personal discretion. Where God just says, look, do whatever you want to do. Why? Because I'd mess it up. Simple. My heart is wicked. I'd mess it all up. So God in his word lays out how he wants us to come to him. If you know anything about the Old Testament, and if you studied the tabernacle in any way, (laughs) down to the bricks, down to the measurement of things, down to the cups and where to put them and place them and all these things, God lays out, gives us specific instructions on how he wants us to come to him. Worship is no different. It's no different at all. God has laid out how he wants us to come to him. So our worship should not be reflection of who he is. Our worship should be, sorry, our worship should not be a reflection of who we are. It should be a reflection of who he is. Amen? That was a good, you guys, you guys missed an opportunity right there. I'm just saying. Don't re-gift your worship. Everybody knows what re-gifting is. You get a present at Christmas, you open it up, you're all excited, you, you, you tear that thing open, it's, oh. So no, nobody's looking, you just wrap that thing right back up again, and then it's, oh, auntie, look what I got you for Christmas. That's regifting. Don't do that with your worship. And by that, I mean, we all, some of us have come from different places. 
different churches, different backgrounds. We've all experienced different things, right, as it pertains to church and worship. So I'm, I'm very confident that if I were to ask you about your worship experience, you could wrap it up for me all nice in a nice little box, and you can describe what it looks like, and you can describe that, you know, this is, what, this is where I'm comfortable, and that's all good. So what I'm encouraging you to do is don't take that worship from back then, okay? Don't take that worship from back then, wrap it all up, and present it to God today. That's very easy to do because it keeps us in our comfort zone. What is God doing in you today? What is God speaking to you today? How is God moving in your life today? How has he been speaking to you today? How is your discipleship growing today? Are you moving forward in God? Are you learning anything new about God, about his attributes, about who he is? He is our God. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is our Creator. He is our everything. Are you moving forward in your relationship with him, with your understanding about who he is when we're supposed to worship him in spirit and in truth? You must be learning more truth about God because certainly you haven't learned everything there is to know about God and about who he is. Why don't we bring our accumulated experiences of who God is, who we understand him to be, and what the scripture admonishes us to do, and worship him in spirit and in truth, to come before him as a people called by his own name to glorify him and to lift him up and to exalt him and to have that fellowship with him. Our worship should be a reflection of who God is. He gets sweeter and sweeter as the day goes by. That should be our testimony. Every day he gets sweeter and sweeter. I get to know him just a little bit more. I love him just a little bit more today than I did yesterday. And from that place, from a place, from a heart that is full of desire and passion for him, we express worship to him in spirit and in truth. Hmm. We come to God and we worship him with our understanding. We come to God and we can worship him with singing. Psalm 33, 1 to 3. Sing for joy in the Lord, O ye righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre, singing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with shouts of joy. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Hallelujah. <laughs> but I don't shout. You know why? Because God can hear me. So I can just say, praise the Lord. Thanks, God, you're good. Isn't he? He's wonderful. He's great. I can do that. You know what else I can do? Watch this. Watch me praise the Lord. I'm praising him in my mind. 
Isn't that good? Now that's fine. I would call it meditation. And the Bible encourages us to meditate on the Lord. Right? Meditate is thinking. Am I right? Meditating is thinking. And that's great. The Bible calls us to do that. The Bible never calls us to meditate with our praise. Never. Praise comes out of here. Our mouths should be filled with praise. Now, I wasn't going to say this because I didn't say this in the first service, but I, I'm thinking that this crowd can handle it. Whenever I teach Harvest Essentials, the worship portion, I always do this. What would happen if I said to this group of 11 people, what would happen if I said, let's praise the Lord, with only one stipulation? No singing. And I put the question out. If, I said, I don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. I'm not going to ask you. But if I did, what do you think the response would be? And you know what the answer that comes back every single time? Every single time. 100, I'm stressing this now. 100% of the time, the answer that comes back, awkward silence. No, no, no. You're laughing, and you kind of should be. But that's the answer I get back. If I said, right now, let's praise the Lord. Why on earth would there be awkward silence? Are we not the redeemed of the Lord? Doesn't the Bible say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so? Are you not saved? If I were to ask you, does God mean everything to you? Does God mean everything to you? No, come on. Who are we serving right now? Some dead God? No, we're supposed to be serving the God of the universe. The God who said, let there be. And there was. Isn't that the God who we serve? He has being in himself. We have being because he has being. We live in him. We live and move and have our being. We have our being in him. He has being in himself. He always was. He always will be. There's never a time that God was not God. God has always been God. God will always be God. There will never be a time where God is not God. Because God is God. He has no beginning. He has no end. Do you know who you serve, church? Do we know who we serve? Do we really know and understand who it is that we serve? The creator of the universe? The I am? So if I ask you, does that God that I just described, does he mean everything to you? There's not a Christian in this place who wouldn't say yes to that. But then why? Why is it that when we come into his presence that there's not a shout of praise? Why is it that when we come into his presence that there's not a hunger and a thirsting and a wanting and a cry from the heart of God's people? And a passion as the deer pants for the water. So my soul longs for you, God. That's how the scripture reads. As it pants for water, my soul longs for you thirst for you because all I need is you. Take the gold. Take the silver. Take the riches. Just give me Jesus. 
Just give me Jesus. Just give me his presence. I need his presence. Don't take that from me. You can take everything else. Do not even think you're going to be taking the presence of the Lord from me. No. Uh Uh-uh. You done crossed the line. You cannot take his presence from me. One thing that a lot of people have trouble with for some reason. This. I could talk at length about this. Just for clarity's sake. Don't anybody respond. I mean, don't respond to this question. Does the Bible ask us to lift our hands? Does it tell us? Does it suggest? Does it leave it up to us? I know a lot of you, your head is spinning right now. And by the way, don't anybody feel condemnation? That's not my point. Because you know what I'm trying to do here? Okay. Psalm 91.11. Sing. Sorry. Psalm 132.2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless his name. Now, if we were in small group right now, I would say, is that scripture asking or telling? But since we're not in small group, I'm not going to ask you that question. Let's say I did. (laughs) Is it asking or telling? Now, is that news to anybody? Is that news to anybody? Because when we come into God's presence, now does it mean, here's what it means. Does it mean that I have to lift my hands from the start of a service to the end? No, it doesn't mean that. But here's what it does mean. If I never lift my hands, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless his name. So this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about worship needs to be biblical. I'm only just picking on that one because it's one of, one of the more demonstrative ways that we worship, but that's not the only one. Clap your hands, all ye people. Funny how the world has no problem with this stuff whatsoever. Funny when you look out into the world, you see the world doing all manner of crazy things from sporting event A to Z. If you're having a birthday party for your child and it's a surprise party and everybody's gathered together and they're just about ready to come in the door and you're like, everybody, everybody, quiet, quiet, quiet. They're They're almost here, they're almost here. Okay, okay. They're opening the door. How many of you do this? Surprise. (laughs) Surprise. You know why you don't do that? God didn't make you to do that. It's just that simple. It's natural for you to, that's called resonance. You're, You're seeing something that you resonate with. And out of that resonance flows praise. 
It's just that simple. We don't have to make it any more complicated than that. A little baby, as soon as they can sit up, the minute they can sit up and you turn on music, what do they do? That's their little dance. And what else do they do? In their little awkward way. You don't have to teach a baby to dance. You don't have to teach a baby to clap their hands. Before they can even speak, they know how to do these things. It's just in us. Why? God made us that way. Why? So that we can reflect and resonate. Our mouths are to be filled with praise. So if I said, let's praise the Lord in here, my expectation, quite frankly, that there would be an eruption of praise in the house of God. What do you think heaven looks like, church? This is heaven's rehearsal right here. Let it be done right in the Lord's prayer. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. What do you think is going on in heaven right now? Come on. What do you think is going on? Praise is going on. Worship is going on. Interacting with God, fellowshipping with God, talking with God, singing, exuberance, clapping of hands, shouting praises to God. Clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Do you know what a voice of triumph is? I'm looking at the clock. It's my enemy right now. I'm going to close with two things. I'm going to explain to you what a voice of triumph is, and I'm going to read a scripture, and then we're going to be done. We're going to sing. Here's what a voice of triumph is. You're a mom. You're doing some dishes or doing something in the kitchen, and out you look into your backyard, and your little baby is playing in the backyard. And you see somebody climb over the fence, approaching your baby. This is what you do. Stop. Stop. Don't. Don't. Go away. Go away. Is that what you do? What comes out of mom's mouth, a voice of triumph comes out of her mouth. Hey! Get out of there! And some other words that we won't say. We'll leave that for another time. Another teaching. That's what a voice of triumph is. It's 100% natural for that to happen. And God's word tells us that we are to clap our hands and shout with a voice of triumph to God. Back to that thing I said about praise and worship not being about me, because I don't want to shout because God can hear me just fine. Unfortunately, the scripture tells us how he wants us to come to him. And there's stuff in the scripture about dancing, too. Like, what's that all about? Like, seriously, what's, up, what's that all dancing stuff? Really? The only time I ever see people dance is when they're joyful. 
That's the only time I ever see people dance. I see, I see, see people dancing at weddings, parties, concerts, whatever, just dancing, dancing, dancing. The only time I ever see people dancing is when there's joy. So what's all this dancing in the house of God? Come on, y'all. I'm going to finish with this. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. That's how it starts. I want you to open up your Bible. Now I know, church, that I might be challenging some of you this morning, but that's, that is my intent. Now, I'm not trying to offend anybody, honestly, but I am trying to help you see worship in a new light. I'm, help, I'm trying to help you move forward in your worship relationship with God, with your intimacy relationship with God. I definitely am trying to do that. It doesn't say, praise the Lord. It says, praise the Lord, exclamation mark. Praise God in his sanctuary. That's here, by the way. Praise him in his mighty heavens. That's up there, so he's covering all the bases here. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Pra dance, that's that dance. I don't do, God, I don't do that. Uh, I'm just going to go on. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Hang on again, sorry. But it's saying praise him with cymbals. And cymbals are loud, but that's not loud enough for the psalmist here. He's saying praise him with cymbals. Yeah, that's good. But praise him with loud clashing cymbals. That's what he's talking about here. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I pray that there would be a praise that rises up from the people of God. Not only because of his goodness, not only because of his hand in our lives, not only because he saved us, sanctifies us, and he changes us from glory to glory, and he promises us what we sung about at last part there, hope, a hope for today, a hope for tomorrow. He promises us, us himself, that he himself would come and we would be his people and he would be our God. He promises us himself. So there should be a hunger and a passion from the people of God directed because I tell you this, you will praise. In your life, you will praise. What deserves the most praise? You know what I am absolutely absolutely convicted to my core about? God would always get my highest praise. Always. Always. So if I'm praising God this way in this moment, I'm not telling you don't do that. So if you go to some event, whatever, and you're doing whatever, I don't care what it is, honestly. All I say is you better give God more than that. That's all I care about because he should get the most. He should get all. 
Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. All. What does all mean? Part? Some? Do we only give God half? Are you married? Washing God's feet with your tears and only letting some fall on him? Pouring out the oil on his feet to wash him? Do you only pour out half? Do you only pour out part, part of it? How much do you pour out? How much of yourself do you pour out to God in worship? When we come into this place and it's time to lift our hands and sing and to worship our God, do you pour out only part of your heart? Why would you do that, beloved? Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you pour all of it out? Pour it all out before the Lord, your Savior, your Redeemer, the one who rescued you from the pit. Do you love him? Remember when God spoke to Peter, do you love me? He said, yes. He said it again. No, no, no. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And again, do you love me? He was cut to the heart. Do you love him? Let's stand. And all I can say is, let's sing to the Lord like you love him. Sing to, your, to the Lord like you're singing him a love song. Sing to the Lord like he's standing right here, right here. Sing to the Lord like he's standing right here bodily. Sing to the Lord that way and let your heart overflow in his presence and his goodness. Glory to God.